This is resonance. This is Jose Castillo, and welcome to episode number five of Resonance, a music and sound diplomacy podcast that explores the history and cultural significance of musical exchange across the globe. The series seeks to highlight the impact and potential of music diplomacy initiatives at the state and non-state levels, and to strengthen the case for music as an important tool of cross-cultural communication in the arsenal of public diplomacy. Playing in the background is Kanu Ya Habibi by Lebanese singer Feyrouz. For those not familiar with her work, she's one of the most influential singers in the Arab world. Many people consider her to be a musical ambassador for the Middle East. Much like her, my guest today is also a musical ambassador from Lebanon. Her name is Joanna Medawarnashev, and she is recognized as the first woman conductor from the Middle East. Throughout her career, she has conducted the Lebanese Philharmonic Orchestra, conducted performances at Carnegie Hall in New York, and has worked alongside the U.S. State Department as a music diplomat. She is currently the director of choral activities at El Camino College. Welcome to the program, Johanna. Well, it's my pleasure to be here, and it's such an honor to get to meet you and see this young generation really focusing on something that's most important. Totally. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Firuz. Um, You were telling me that uh, you perform her, her song? I sure do. From my youth, I was always fascinated by this beautiful lyrical voice. And then to really get acquainted with the composers, she was married to one of the composers, right. the Rahbani brothers, who changed the face of music in the Middle East from the previous era of long three-hour, you know, Um Kultum would sing a song in mm -hmm. Egypt and everybody was getting used to this lengthy, you know, lyrical and repetitive song. That took a while. They decided to shorten the song and make it more colloquial, talk mm -hmm. about the people in the village, the regular social things, and make it more, uh, you know, folkloric right. and easily uh, recognized. And so Feirouz happened to be in that uh, studio and her 
future husband heard her mm-hmm. and ended up using her voice and it became this trio, the Rahbani brothers and Firuz, carrying to the world the beauty of the Lebanese song. Beautiful. And they were influenced by many of, you know, the regions that were closer uh, to Lebanon, Europe, of course, but mainly also Russian influence. And you can hear it especially in this song. Totally great. Yes. Um, I I know that her background too, she comes from a Syriac uh, family. Yes, I think, so. many of the Lebanese have that kind of, you know, heritage and connection. And there's a lot of Lebanese Armenians. Yes, too, the right? huge community of Armenians that came to Lebanon because of their uh, Holocaust in many ways and mm-hmm. oppression with right, Turkey. Yeah. And to this day, now when I was there just a month ago, conducting the Lebanese Philharmonic, uh, 40% of them are Armenian. Some oh, yeah. are from Lebanon and some are from Armenia. Right. And so they are the best musicians. My teachers when I was young were all Armenians that taught wow, me music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so nice to see that collaboration yeah. between the Lebanese and the Armenians in Lebanon and outside Lebanon as totally, well. That's beautiful. And that, that speaks for, for music as a tool of, of, for communication. And, Absolutely. Um, not too long ago, was that a couple months ago I went to see the eastern west uh, the east western divan uh-huh. west eastern divan. yes um, and it was a beautiful experience just seeing the collaboration between Palestinians and I- Israelis um, yes and this was under uh, Daniel Borum Berenbaum yes the I was there too yeah. Oh, I really? was in you know Disney Hall yeah, yeah sitting yeah. there and did you notice how they were really encouraging each other while performing. And when they were done, everybody stood and gave each other hugs Yes, across the whole stage. And that's what it's about. It is the best way of connecting cultures because it is a universal language. You don't have to speak somebody's language to share a piece of music with totally, them. Totally, yeah, I and agree. And that's the joy of it, you know, Yeah, that we have that tool and we need to use it more. For sure. So tell me, tell me more about your current work and your past work, I guess. Sure. And so uh, because of the war in Lebanon, my family, my parents brought us here back in 1975, first for a little short visit. Mm -hmm. And then we ended up settling around 1978, completely in California. My uncle had come here to study watchmaking. My father is in the watch business, and he actually invented the talking clock when I was born, and I'll tell you the year, 1959. And so I just celebrated my 60th birthday, um, and he installed his talking clocks all over the world. And eventually we discovered that they wanted to give us a future. They brought us here. When I started going to college, uh, I went, went to El Camino College, and I took a conducting class. From my youth, I would be looking at conductors and saying, wow, what a wonderful thing to do. But I don't see any women doing it. Mm-hmm. So I took a conducting class, and the professor there, Dr. Hardister, interrupted me. The first project was to conduct the national anthem. and said, who are you? What are you doing here? And I was so scared. What have I done that I get this kind of response from the professor? She could see that I was so nervous. She said, don't look so perplexed. And I said, what is that? What's that word? (laughs) And so uh, she said, young lady, you have a natural talent to be a conductor. I was 18. And I couldn't finish the semester. My dad needed to take us back. 
And I went back to college in Lebanon, but I had to be a business economics major. There mm-hmm. was no music. And she writes me to Lebanon, a letter that took a month to arrive. And she asked, what am I doing about my conducting? So I put together my friends, did a Christmas concert at the university where I was attending, and tried to use what I learned in that class while I was here. And things developed, and we needed to come back to the United States because the war was getting worse. And I immediately went back to El Camino to see Mm -hmm. my wonderful teacher and uh, ended up going to Cal State Dominguez Hills and yet finishing a degree in piano performance. From there, I came to USC, piano performance, and I took conducting classes in elective. The same reaction came from that professor. The first week I was standing to conduct, he said, you should not be a, you know, piano performance. You should be a conducting major. Really? And it took a while for me to grasp that, you know, they needed, as you know, graduate school, you have to have some experience. The Mm -hmm. requirements were a lot more than what I had. And I said, you know, I don't have what you require. He said, well, we're going to let you take the classes. At the end of the semester, we're going to make a decision by watching you do the conducting that's required by all and evaluate if your talent outweighs the experience. Mm -hmm. That's what ended up happening. I finished a doctorate in conducting choral and orchestral. Wow. Back then, it wasn't Thornton School of Music, mm-hmm. uh, but it sure was certainly the foundation. Everything I learned was from my professors here. And then I went out there to get the job and learn what it is to apply what you've learned, right? Yeah. Practice the theory. And and after several years, you know, of being the 11 years of freeway flyer between El Camino College, Irvine Valley College, Cal State Dominguez Hills, mm-hmm. I did get my position full time at El Camino College, director of choral activities. Get what that guess what that position is? The lady who discovered me. Really? I sit at her desk. I conduct no her classes. I keep the same desk. It's sixty plus years old because I want to show legacy. Right. And I want to show that this young kid from Lebanon, right? Who would have thought that walking into the classroom? of El Camino College in conducting with Dr. Hardister, I end up coming back to carry her legacy and do what she had instilled in me and hope to inspire others. And I've been there doing it now full-time for 24 years. Wow. And while I was there, I decided I wanted to do more than just teach my classes and do my performances. And I was doing quite a bit, you know, locally. And so I approached the office of grants, the director Mm -hmm. there. And I said, I really feel coming from Lebanon, I want to give back. I want to connect again with my culture, 4,000 year old culture. I really want to be that bridge because of all the misconceptions you see, Jose, that you can sense having been from the Middle East and the wars that have taken place. Mm -hmm. And especially Beirut was known while I was a student here as the war-torn zone, right? And that's the sad um, truth, though. And I came here because of the war and could not Mm -hmm. go back. And it took me 20 years to go back. And I realized I've got to be that bridge, the bridge that is going to connect the cultures because I want those misconceptions to be dissolved. Uh, Lebanese as a nation or as the people are not terrorists. Mm -hmm. And the Americans as a people, are not imperialists. So I've got to use a tool. 
and my tool was music. It is the universal language. I speak Arabic fluently. I sing all of the songs. So what I started doing is teaching my American college classes and my choirs. I had a community chorus and I had a church choir to sing in Arabic in some of the songs, the folk songs that you're hearing, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. with Feirouz and others and some sacred songs that were easy enough to teach because I could really demonstrate what the language is going to be like. And so with the meeting of the grant director, she had mentioned to me, well, you want to do cultural exchanges. There's this project that the State Department is trying to develop where we connect university students across cultures mm -hmm. using voice over IP to teach, you know, in four different regions of the world uh, what the culture is like. And they were getting, you know, some of the faculty involved. So 33 faculty from around the nation applied. Oh, wow. And I was one of them. We ended up going to um, North Carolina and get equipped to really do this voice over IP. What, what do you mean by IP? Before Skype came along, mm -hmm. we would have to connect using, you know, um, just the Internet. Right. And allow a little space in the bandwidth, you know, because there is this universities and many institutions have to allow a little pocket of that internet to be opened so you can connect back then mm -hmm. with another, right. you know, IP. Mm -hmm. And there were no, like doing video conferencing, mm -hmm. but the universities and their directors or the president had to allow that because mm -hmm. there were no, uh, what we see now, and how we can connect with people using anything, right, right. Is, is really where, what it developed back in 2004. So I actually had to travel to several parts of the world, including Italy and Lebanon, and I chose Lebanon. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the person in charge of this pro project with the State Department said, Lebanon, why would you want to use that country? I said, because I'm th from there. Mm -hmm. And we needed to kind of this develop a foursome for different cultures to start this kind of course where you study. The students will be sitting in at El Camino, they sat, mm -hmm. in Lebanon, in Italy, and in Ukraine. And we would do this connection. It was 8 a.m. for, you know, El Camino, L.A. time, 6 p.m. Lebanese time. And we would see each other using that connection right and then we would learn about the lebanese culture from the professor there and i would teach from here about the american culture and the students had to start connecting using you know email and uh, going into one specific um, connection community and discuss what they've studied and how they're learning about each other's cultures yeah. and i said well you know what this is great but how about we connect with music and so I found partners at the Notre Dame University in Lebanon, and we started doing these connections, video conferencing of concerts. We would sing four pieces or five pieces. They would sing four or five. Wow. And the students started seeing each other, asking each other questions, but that wasn't enough for me. Uh, I happened to be you know, on one of my visits to Lebanon, planning the visit, and I met at the time, the president of City Council of Los Angeles, mm -hmm. who is now our mayor, Eric, Eric Garcetti. Garcetti. Mm -hmm. And 
Another city council member who is of Lebanese descent, Dennis Sign, and a couple of the Lebanese, you know, uh, community leaders, they wanted to start the LA Beirut sister city. Yes. And so they asked me to come under that umbrella because I already had established, you know, cultural yeah. exchanges and through, through education. And now I was doing music. And they said, well, you know, we would like that to be a part of our efforts. So I joined them on the delegation. And it was wonderful to see how we did four days of really making this come alive and that uh, twinning of the sister cities was so beautiful. I got the chance to actually sing in Baalbek when we did the signing at this Roman wow. ruin. And and it was funny, Mayor Garcetti looked at me when I tested the sound in, in the Bacchus temple. I just sang a portion of a, an aria. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, go on stage and sing some Feiruz. <laughs> and I did. And, uh. and the people who were walking the ruins just started hearing this singing and they flooded into that Bacchus uh, theater. And you could see how that music connected those who were traveling. Anyways, four, year, uh, four days into our collaboration, uh, most of the team left. And then the unfortunate situation of um, a conflict between the parties of both Lebanon and uh, the neighbor mm-hmm. Israel. And there was another destruction of war that took away all that we had planned. But I refused to allow that to to delay what I had worked on. So I raised funds and brought that choir from Lebanon, the Notre Dame University Chorus, to LA. I went to people I knew. I said, I want to make sure that this would be our first effort of the sister cities to make it through music. They came here. Believe it or not, Jose, the choir from Lebanon stood on the intersection of Main and First, right by City Hall, and the choir from El Camino sang the national anthems of each country as we unveiled that sign that said how far Lebanon is from From LA. LA. Then we went up to City Council and we did folk music. One song that was by the Rahbanis, sung by Uh the choir from Lebanon, and I did a spiritual, you know, one of the gospel pieces by my choir from El Camino. And you could see how these singers from both university students, Mm -hmm. from both cultures started connecting. In fact, my choir at El Camino did a fundraiser, you know, variety show, so they can raise enough money to take the Lebanese to Disneyland. They drove them around. They took them to all these attractions. And then we did a major performance at El Camino with both choirs. And then they did a whole segment of Lebanese music. And we did our segments and then joined together to do a Mozart work. And the good thing about the Uh, opportunity to bring them here is that they got to be immersed Mm -hmm. in the American culture and see how it is the same. All these young students from universities have the same struggles, the same successes, right? Mm -hmm. They have the same challenges in life. It is nothing different. We just have that wonderful connection and community that will go beyond what we did in seven days. Yeah. And believe it or not, one of the singers I had was Chikizi. Chikizi had just gone before the American Idol team, you know. Okay. He actually ended up being number 10 in season seven. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I start by season three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you could, you would recognize him when you see, you know, okay. he's singing. He was part of my choir at the time at El Camino, oh, wow. and went on to be in the season of two thousand and seven, and he was in Vegas singing, you know, with with the American Idol, and some issues happened in Lebanon. He calls me up and says. I'm hearing about my friends in Lebanon. Are they okay? Is everybody doing fine? I really need to know that they're fine. These are the people he met here, right? Wow, yeah. When they came. So that connection became more personal. Yeah. Because of music. That's the best form of soft diplomacy. And since then, I've brought the Antonin University Chorus to LA. I've brought the NDU Choir, the Antonin University Chorus, and a high school choir to Carnegie Hall Three times I did that. I expanded it to Dubai, the universe, American University in Sharjah, brought the choir from there to Carnegie Hall. And they did not just sing with me these major performances, which are really historic, mm -hmm. to see all ages, Los Angeles and other choirs from the United States and all these choirs from the Middle East standing side by side, singing music of Beethoven, of Mozart, of, you know, Rutter, And then some of them went on and did tours in New York and exposed the community in New York to Middle Eastern music yeah. and Arabic music, which is not as familiar, right? Right, no. The youth of the parts of the world in the Middle East and in Europe, everybody knows American pop culture, everybody. And they want to be the next Lady Gaga or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, what's, it, what's his name? John Legend. Mm -hmm. What do the... American youth know about those cultures. Not as, as much, right? Yeah, going We back wouldn't to Feroz, right. not that many people know. Not that fa many people know. And that's where if you start this kind of collaboration, using music as the cultural connection, I think it just opens up this, the eyes of our American youth to what's out there in the world. Yeah. Other parts of the world need the world, so they want to learn about what's in the world. Here, we may not need to feel that way. Yeah. We have such abundance mm -hmm. that we feel I'm okay knowing only all about my own world, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the connection that you start opening. And it became such a strong experience. Every year, my singers here and all the people I've worked with, when are the Lebanese coming? When can we go visit Lebanon? When can we do more of these collaborations? And we do it now through Skype, And we do these kinds of connections. Yeah. And I started going back more often. I conducted the Lebanese Philharmonic three times. I would work with all these young singers over there as my choirs. In fact, during my sabbatical, I went back and compiled Arabic choral music and started publishing it in the Western repertoire. Wow. And had a whole concert of this music that I discovered and had my American choirs sing it and bring it to the you know, South Bay community to yeah. Los Angeles. And beyond all of that, I also was invited while I was on the sabbatical to do a whole concert in Lebanon of gospel and spirituals, the American genre that everybody loves. And so I worked with all of these Lebanese singers who had not been exposed to that and did a beautiful concert in the summer of 2009. And since then, I really felt this has become my mission. And I called myself an ambassador of harmony, mm -hmm. not realizing that the U.S. Institute of Peace had 
you know, uh, extended an invitation for people who are interested in learning peace strategies. So I applied, sharing with them what I've done. They invite me to go to Washington, D.C. and participate in a week of, you know, public diplomacy and using whatever tool we've had to connect cultures and build peace strategies. They considered my efforts using music as the best form of soft diplomacy and peace strategies. And so I suggested actually to the directors at the time that were there, they, may sh- sh- they should consider changing the title because the U.S. Institute of Peace is really where all of these diplomats and people in government learn peace strategies. Mm-hmm. I said, you should consider calling it the Institute of Harmony because me- peace sometimes is not well understood. People think I have to give up my right to attain that peace between me and you. It's or there actually, needs to be a war right, for there right. to be peace. It, why not, you know, compromise, come into the middle? But with music, in music you have dissonance and consonance, sounds that are building stress and tension against each other, but then they resolve into consonance of beauty and yeah. relatability, and they coexist, right? Mm-hmm. So there's harmony. And you can see that when you don't have that tension sometimes, you miss it. You want that spice in life, right? You want that variety. And isn't it sweet and beautiful that when we meet each other from different cultures, we don't see our differences, but we see some commonalities and can learn from each other's differences and make that journey more complete and appreciate all that we are And this way, when we are standing side by side, rubbing shoulders, making something that is bigger than all of us, that is going to change our conception. That's going to build a bridge. That's going to hopefully equip the future generation who will be the future leaders, right? That there has to be more of this. And I think if we choose that route, and the best universal language is music, I feel very blessed that I've called my own group, you know, the subtitle of the Joanna Medawar Nashef Singers are my own group that I developed the last four years. Mm-hmm. Former Al Camino students that were with me for 20 years went on, finished their degrees, and they never forgot these exchanges and experiences. They kept saying, you got to create your own group so we could do more of it. Yeah. And I did. And so here we are now on this fourth year of developing more of this connection with the world. And to me, I really want them to become the ambassadors of bringing music to the world and of doing good through music. And I applied for this grant a couple of years ago, and it was wonderful to receive the answer. After two years, the State Department gave me a grant to take my choir to Russia this summer and really perform and teach gospel and spirituals to the Russians. And we have a partner choir over there that are teaching us folk music of Russia so we can connect and do performances and tour and bring it there with master classes to other choirs will participate in the singing world in Russia. What is this part of a, a specific program that they already have? Well, this is, you know, these grants that you see that are out there I think this is under public diplomacy. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it's under. And so my colleague who had helped me in my first mm-hmm. exchange, if you recall, um, 
found this and said, Joanna, you may be interested oh, yeah. in this. And this is, we are now 10 years later, after my sabbatical of compiling choral music. Yeah. Here we are taking some new, the most, in many ways, I've taken my choirs around the world and I would do performances. But do you know, in Europe, what they love the most is gospel and spirituals. They applaud and want more of it. And it is just fascinating how it touches people because yeah. it really is about a race that became, shall I say, had a renaissance after years of oppression. What are spirituals and gospel? The songs of the slaves. African They, music. Exactly. Yeah. The African-American music and heritage is what we have. And it, many people can connect to that because it has that message of hope. Right. And that's why I think they respond to it so well. But I have a special connection with that because when I came here, I had sung in school, in elementary school in Lebanon, you know, songs like, Swing low, sweet chariot, or give me that old time religion, right? Mm -hmm. These are very familiar to many parts of the world, but I never knew that I'll get to study under one of the most important legend who took this choir to the world. His name is Jester Harriston. He was 94 and I was 34. And oh. he'd look at me and say, little girl, look at these notes on that page. This is not Mozart. Put some soul in it. And it meant really connecting to what the words are and what is in there. Yeah. And, it, and I had the privilege to work with many other legends of this genre. And I have in many ways, adopted that sense of connection to it. And my singers have such gifted voices and skills. Yeah, that's so beautiful. It's very interesting that you talk about the the feeling aspect of it that, and the, the, the emotional aspect of, of music and how it enhances the connection. Yes. I had a, a conductor and, and musician, Derek Spiva, mm -hmm. with us. He's with the LA Phil. He was... a my previous guest, and he was telling me that he wishes that uh, uh, his his uh, songs could be performed over and over and yes. over again so that the musicians themselves would just internalize them and and almost play them without reading. Right. Because he, he believes that that's a, a way better form of communicating as opposed to... Looking at the score. Exactly. And playing the technical part of it. Exactly, and you could be yeah. virtuosic and amazing but you're still doing only the technique. Mm -hmm. You have to really, with music, live it. If you're not connecting that way, it is, you could just play a recording. But right. when you see someone perform and perform with their whole ability and being so lost in the music, yeah. then the music is bigger than all of us. The message comes I across. Agree. And that's what I think is a privilege. And you know, after I finished my degrees here and went on to perform and conduct, I didn't realize that I had been the first woman to go into a world of conducting right, yeah. that had never been uh, an opportunity for, the, for other Lebanese or Middle Eastern women. Yeah. And I've been doing it since 1985. And it's become such a wonderful tool for me. I, when I go back actually to Lebanon, uh, under the American embassies, auspices, they mm -hmm. ask me to do lectures and presentations about my journey in life to the young Lebanese women so they can have a chance to see that if they put their mind to it and they find their purpose and follow that passion, they can do it as well. And that's the joy of it. You know, I always tell my students at El Camino, 
try to find what will wake you up in the morning. And if you can find it, make that your purpose, follow the passion, and have a dream and go after it. But the bottom line is hard work. It'll never go away. That's what's going to drive you. And then I have my motto. And I tell them, this is something I made up. Life is a performance and not a rehearsal. I got to do today the best I can. Give it my all. And not wait till tomorrow. Is tomorrow guaranteed? It is not. So I'm not just going to rehearse it. Oh, I'll try a little better right. tomorrow. I'm going to give it my all today. And I think it does come back. And you can see it as you see your, you know, the people around you being inspired and encouraged and feeling like I've got to fill that, you know, hole that I have and move forward and do something that will make a difference. Because to me, that's what a legacy is, making a difference in somebody's life. And it could be just that's one person. Impact, yeah. And I've got the best tool. And to do that internationally, I feel so blessed. Yeah, very inspirational. Um, so just to wrap it up, um, it's clear from our interview, and I've talked to other people too, people involved with public diplomacy, with cultural diplomacy, musicians in general. They understand. They know that music, they understand the power of music. They they acknowledge the the tool the strength of the tool mm -hmm. but the issue is let's say governments bureaucracy sometimes they they don't see it they That's see it uh, they see culture as uh, superficial um, it's not creating the change that they 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 want how can we inspire these like future public diplomats we we want them to not give up on music, not give up right. on culture, but how, 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 what's a message that you could give them to strengthen uh, their ideals and, 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 and have them keep going and, and, and possibly just uh, create a multiplier effect that will lead, like you were saying, they're going to become the next leaders. Yes. Um, and, and for them to know that already when they get into uh, their careers, they reach government, they reach NGOs, they're going to have that internalized. What's, what's a message that you have for these Well, people? this is what I will tell you. I have always found value in inviting all government agencies to my concerts. And I do that regularly, and especially when I have uh, guests from outside the United States. And this way, they can see what is happening right there. So now that's influencing those who are in government now. Yeah. And when the performers or the students or the university, you know, age is themselves the tool that can reflect that change to those who are sitting in office now, then they have this ability, like if I can influence the change through these activities and these cultural connections, I could be the next one sitting in that seat and I will understand it more. That they should be considering being in public service, not just making, you know, their performances or whatever they choose in their discipline to be what's driving them, but try to also see and make it um, always available for those who are serving in public, for them as well to be a part of it, to connect, to, I, I always feel it's my role to respect whoever is in a post, never to attack 
whatever they're doing, mm-hmm. whether it's my boss or somebody in government, because I think I can influence their path if I choose to show them what has made a difference. And it is a more lasting difference. Yeah. And sometimes it's one note at a time. We cannot make a difference and a change in a day, maybe not even in 10 years. But as you pay it forward and instill in every generation this desire to connect with other cultures, not to be scared of another human being walking you know, in another world, And the internet has made that possible for mm-hmm. us. But I think we need to use the internet in a very healthy and wise way and reflect all these connections we're doing now, the cultural, the music. Everybody can connect with a song. So why not make that the best tool that opens the door for more valuable and even more serious you know, government uh, activities? But... we need to show that people are people everywhere. They have similar paths, and some are maybe more struggling than others. So why not extend that hand of friendship through the, the tool of harmony and music? And it has to be consistent. It has to be something that we continue to sing, to continue to carry, and never give up. It's so easy to be discouraged. Oh, how many people watched this or listened to this? Well, we never know. Which ear that is listening is going to grab that message and bring it to the forefront. So have, have that hope, have that energy, have the passion, and keep that light shining. Thank you, Joanna. Uh, thank you for your joy. You've really made my day today. Well, thank um, you for including me. <laughs> totally. Uh, what a, um, where can, can people uh, listen or find you? Uh, I know well, you have a website. Yes, uh, my website with my group is the Joanna Medawar Nashef Singers. And we have JMNS, you know, that jmnsingers.com mm-hmm. is our website. But I also have a Facebook page. And you can find me on the El Camino, um, you know, also El Camino College website. I am their director of activities, choral activities. I also have a new orchestra that I will be conducting. I'm the new artistic director for the Torrance Pops organization, oh, right. torrancepops.com. And the premiere and the debut of the orchestra is going to be April 26th awesome. at the Armstrong Theater in Torrance. And we have also our Facebook page, Torrance Pops Facebook page. And I'm including in that performance a young Lebanese composer. And he, we're going to feature his music as well. His name is George Tomb. I opened his career by conducting one of his pieces in Lebanon where, when I conducted the Lebanese Philharmonic. This is one of your students? or he's Well, I met him. He came to my office at El Camino from Lebanon asking me to conduct a piece of his here when he was 22. Was this Hope? Yes. Yes, I think and I so heard it online. And so I ended up having a concert in Lebanon, and I said, I'm going to insert you between Beethoven and Mozart. Wow. I had a lot <laughs> of resistance from the directors there, but I chose to make that happen. And his whole world opened up. Wow. And that's what it's about. Really, our responsibility is to encourage and shine a light on the future talents. And so you'll see all of that in many of the websites. And hopefully many will find that this is one way of carrying the message of connection among all cultures. Thank you, Joanna. And I'm going to end this with uh, uh, just repeating what you said, creating change and everlasting connection 
uh, note by note. Exactly. Thank, Thank you. you.